line. And um, Mr. Lockwood Holmes will be preaching this morning as well. So, yeah, if you could turn to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 29. I'll give you all just a quick minute to find that. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days... When he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for the word of how you came to be with us in the flesh, to save us. Jesus, we're so grateful this morning for Christmas and all we have to celebrate. Thank you for this group. And pray that you would be present, that your spirit would be present, that we'd all be so focused on you and your word. I pray that you'd be with Locke as he preaches. Make him bold and give him wisdom. Help him to remember all the preparation that he's done. Pray that your spirit would just flow through him. Jesus, we love you and pray that you protect everyone as they travel. And make this morning just a time of worship. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right. So Brian Kelly, whoa, there we go. Uh, is was he in Port Townsend? Yeah, in Washington. Uh, we got a text from him the other day that said he he made the drive straight there in 21 hours. <laughs> so I don't know if his family's still intact, but they made it. <laughs> I get pretty ambitious when I drive as well sometimes, but that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I just, uh, um, I'm excited this morning just to kind of get up and share a couple of things that have been on my heart. Um, you know, when it, when it comes to the holiday season, there's so much stuff, you know, stresses, anxiety about family, you got, you know, obviously what the season's supposed to be out, be about, and then, you know, you have so many people you're trying to please, and there's just so much up in the air. Um, so I've had so many mixed emotions going through. Um, you know, we're about to have another child here, and 
uh, another month or so, and we just got done with the home renovation, so um, the stresses of life have been very apparent, but it's been such a blessing just to uh, have the opportunity to kind of dig into the Word and really think through the story of Christmas a little bit um, deeper, and uh, it's kind of given me a peace um, that I didn't have, so I'm blessed to have the opportunity to just kind of share that with you all this morning. Um, I thought I heard Joel say y'all, too. He's from Chicago, so maybe I'm kind of wearing off on him a little bit. Um, Last week, Brian discussed uh, two of the major themes of Christmas. He talked about peace and joy. I mean, you see peace and joy and lights on roofs. You see it everywhere. It's, uh, you know, we all want peace and joy. Um, I would would say that everyone here wants peace and joy. And I think oftentimes, you know, what the, the hard part is, how do, how do we get peace and joy? You know, is it something that, you know, you get from being generous, from being, you know, having gratitude? You know, how do you get that? And I think um, as Christians, we, we kind of uh, draw that from a deeper cistern, and I think it's a sustainable cistern, and I want to kind of talk about um, that a little bit this morning. Um, so last week, Brian kind of uh, talked about the elusiveness of peace and joy, some of the obstacles that we face, some of the characteristics of peace and joy, and then he left us with some applications. One of the things that uh, really jumped out to me last week was when Brian stated that peace is never the elimination of our problems. I think there's a false notion that if we can just eliminate some things in our lives or if we make enough money or if we can afford to have this or the financial stress goes away, then all of a sudden we're going to have peace. And, and that's kind of a false notion um, because it's so much deeper than that. And thank God it is. You know, If, if it were like that, then... Everything would be so transient, you know, in our life. But there is something that's kind of fundamental and upwelling that really is, is so much deeper than, and, than a circumstantial happiness. Uh, I think last week Brian talked a little bit about the difference between joy and happiness and how happiness is, is very circumstantial. It's kind of like, um, like if we were very thirsty and we are starving and it started raining, we'd be super happy and we'd go out, we'd hold up buckets and capture, capture the rain. And that would be like kind of a happiness, you know, a momentary circumstance in which we were able to get rain for water to drink, opposed to us digging deep and hitting a well and finding water that will sustain us for the rest of our life. So that's kind of, I don't, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I, that's something that I was kind of thinking about the other day, um, difference maybe between happiness and joy. Um, so I just want to pray real quick uh, before we get started, but um, one of the verses that I always, it always hits home with me is um, Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, uh, and it, it talks about having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And I think the reason I love this verse so much is, is, I, is I really feel like there's so much minutiae all around us that it's very difficult to, to have the, the eyes of our heart enlightened so that we can really dig deeper and like think, think clearly about important things and, um, and, 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 and cope and, and find a little bit of a deeper hope. And so I just want to kind of have that and, and I want to pray over that this morning. Um, so Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for just the opportunity to be here the, in this community. I thank you for just everyone here and, and, and for friends and family that aren't here and for the Pepperdine students that are away. And um, Lord, I just pray that, you know, this morning that we just have some, some takeaways of the depth of your love towards us, the depth of your love love for your son, why you sent your son, Lord. We're going to get into the shepherds a little bit, Father God, and how they can be an encouragement to us in our daily journey. And Lord, I just pray that the eyes of our heart will be enlightened, Father God, to see truth. Um, We live in a society that's so perverted with uh, materialism, and there's just so much on going all the time, Father God. Help us just to dig deep and grasp 
truth this morning, Father. In your name I pray. Amen. So the other day I was uh, reading around in the Wall Street Journal and I came across this article. Uh, I think it was actually right before Thanksgiving. It's called Thanksgiving and Gratitude, the Science of Happier Holidays. And so I read it. It's really good. Um, I can post it on like Facebook if you guys want to take a little bit more, uh, uh, a deeper look at it, but I'm just going to read a couple of the highlights. It's pretty interesting. So as the holiday shopping season moves into high gear, it is easy to get caught up in the rush of spending. But consider the conclusion from recent scientific research. Uh, Materialistic people are less happy than their peers. They experience fewer positive emotions, are less satisfied with life, and suffer higher levels of anxiety, depression, and substance abuse. Why is this the case? And how can we avoid falling into the unhappiness trap of materialism this holiday season? One answer has been uh, emerging from social science. Um, Cultivate a mindset of gratitude. Gratitude is proving to be about much more than the occasional thank you. Instead, the principles of thanksgiving give rise to a unique way of seeing the world. So there's kind of a negative correlation between someone that has gratitude um, and someone that is driven by materialism. Um, It goes on to say, materialism can get in the way of our deeply rooted propensities for gratitude. And this may be especially true during the holiday season when our materialistic impulses can can sometimes get the better of us. Fortunately, new studies are documenting how to deliberately cultivate gratitude in ways that counter materialism and its negative effects. Researchers have identified some of the most effective techniques for fostering gratitude, including ways that people can spend their money this holiday season to actually boost their gratitude and thus their happiness. You know that the social scientists are concerned about, about something when they create a scale to measure it. In the early 1990s, researchers Marsha Richens and, and Scott Dawson, Dawson developed the first scale to measure materialism rigorously. According to this scale, people are materialistic to the extent that they place acquiring possessions at the center of their lives, judge success by the number and quality of one's possessions, and see the possessions as, a, uh, as vital to happiness. For instance, they agree with statements like, my life would be better if I owned certain things I don't have. Um, so for more than two decades, studies have consistently found that people who score high on Dr. Richens and Dawson's scale score lower on just about every major scale that scientists use to measure happiness. Um, just thought that was really interesting. Um, so therefore, there is a high correlation for people that uh, practice more gratitude. Um, they typically are happier people. Uh, so I just thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, obviously, this isn't um, written by a Christian. This is just uh, you know someone. But one of the things I, I wanted this to really spawn us to think deeper of, okay, so like we get it. So yeah, absolutely. It helps to be have gratitude and practice thankfulness. It helps... Um, you take your, your mind off yourself. Okay, so as a believer, how can we dig a little bit deeper on that? One other thing that I think people here in Malibu might find interesting um, is given these, given these deep roots of gratitude, it, sure, it should perhaps um, come as no surprise that it is associated with striking health benefits. In many studies by Dr. Edmonds and others, grateful people report fewer symptoms of illness, are less bothered by aches and pains, and enjoy better sleep quality and have stronger immune systems. So there's, you know, obviously, um, you know, a lot of health benefits that come along. And I guess, sorry that I just say Malibu people would, I'm sure people all over the world would appreciate that as well. <laughs> but, you know, we obviously are focused a little bit more on that sometimes. Um, judging from the $10 smoothies that save our lives. Not that there's anything wrong with that. 
I'm going to stop now. Um, so the other night, Aubrey and I were, uh, I love documentaries, and, and the other night we, uh, we were watching this documentary on Muscle Shoals, um, uh, which is this podunk town in northwestern Alabama. And um, I don't know if you've heard the uh, song by Leonard Skinner, Sweet Home Alabama. I'm sure everyone has. It says, and, um, what, in, Muscle Shoals, in Muscle Shoals, they have the Swampers, and they've been known to pick a song or two. And the, the Swampers were the band in Muscle Shoals that were the, uh, the rhythm section. And so what's really interesting about Muscle Shoals, it's this place in the middle of Alabama. Like, no one would ever go there for any other real reason. But for some reason, it became like the mecca for where rock and roll was really being birthed, in a sense. I mean, a lot of the sound that we all listen to today, like, I mean, everyone was recording in Muscle Shoals. There was something really special that was happening there. In fact, you know, people like the Rolling Stones, Mick Jagger, all those guys wanted to come over. They recorded Wild, Horse, wild Horses at, uh, at, um, in Muscle Shoals. But there was something special happening at this place in the middle of Alabama that people wanted to be a part of. Um, and the documentary is hosted by Bono, obviously. I don't know if Bono actually recorded there, but he was so aware of, man, the special thing, the special energy. They couldn't really put their finger on it. Um, but uh, it really jumped out to me because, um, you know, it was birthed in this really humble place, very unassuming place. Um, and it came from a people and a culture that um, had previously suffered a lot, I mean, via the via slavery and so many other things that had happened previous um, in Alabama. It was surrounded by cotton fields. So it was birthed in a suffering. And a lot of times um, the, the slaves, you know, they, they, they weren't able to feed their material wants at that point. And, and the only thing they had was a lot of times each other. So this deep, deep, soulful music was born in the fields, these songs. And, and it kind of had permeated into the culture. And I think a lot of the things that were being captured in, by the Swampers and, and in Muscle Shoals was that just deep, soulful music that you couldn't, that came from this deep upwilling opposed to just, hey, they're doing this, let's try that. And so people from all over the world wanted to come record. You know, from Leonard Skinner, Traffic, um, Dylan, Aretha Franklin, Otis Redding, um, just so, so many. I mean, I can't, I can't even name them all, but it was just, it was really cool mecca. And I don't know how I'm going to apply that to sermon, but I wanted to share that with you. No, you'll see. You'll see it. Um, but, I mean, we still, we still, uh, I mean, even this morning, like you hear in, in, in our worship this morning, I was praying before, but you can hear kind of that roots influence. And for me, that kind of like, it comes from right here in the belly, and it feels really good. And I think that's what people were finding at that point, and still have. I mean, it's impacted and will impact music forever. Um, so anyway, uh, this morning, you know, I, oh, here, here it is. Let me see the scripture. Um, I really want to get into talking about the shepherds. I mean, there's so much going on in the story of Christmas with the birth of Jesus, but I really kind of want to take a look at the perspective that the shepherds were coming from when the glory of God was revealed to them. Uh, Brian Kelly kind of touched on it a little bit last week, but the shepherds were, were interesting characters, were very shady characters. In fact, they were shunned the majority of the time from society. They wouldn't let them come worship in the temples. Uh, they would, would not let them run for political office. But they were just, they were kind of the vagabonds. They were often known for stealing other farmers' stuff because a lot of times they'd take 
the sheep as their birth before they're branded and steal them. And, and they made their uh, living majority of the times off selling wool and uh, milk and uh, are just selling them in general. And so anyway, I just find it very interesting that the Lord would choose to reveal his glory through um, these shepherds that no one really has respect for and, and has, you know, pretty much shunned from society. Uh, I don't know, like, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't be able to really draw a modern-day comparison of, of who you'd compare them to, but, like, really, like, there was zero respect at this time. And so it, it kind of reminded me of this verse um, that I want to just touch. Uh, in 1 first, first Corinthians one twenty-seven. do you have that, Jess? Um, For consider your calling, brothers. Uh, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and, bec- and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And, I mean, as you can see, the birth of Christ was in this lowly manger, you know, and the people that he chose to make this declaration to about um, his son being born was to the most deplorable people um, in society. Like, it's like, what? You know, but he can use whoever he wants. Um, And I think it's really cool because it comes from this humble upwelling rather than, you know, making itself exposed to the kings or to Caesar or, to, to all this other stuff, like it comes from and through the shepherds, and you're like, what? Why does, why does he do that? Um, so one of the things to kind of get into the scripture uh, in Luke 2, let's just start, um, let's see. So in Luke 2, verse 8, in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. So, uh, I guess like, I don't know, six or eight months ago, we were down in Baja. Was it six or eight months ago? And uh, we were out in the freaking middle of nowhere. And, um, and you know, like, sorry. And, uh, like, to the point where, you know, you, if something comes up on you, like, you're like, what are they doing here? Is something wrong? Are we getting jumped? You know, so like you're very, you're very aware and it's quiet and there's nothing around you. So every little snap or any, anything light's coming, you're like, okay, what's going on? Let me pop my head up here, see what the situation is. And um, so you can just imagine these shepherds, okay, so they're in the middle of nowhere. They're protecting their sheep. And all of a sudden, like, just this just like huge light and, and sound and this huge spectacle just becomes and surrounds them. So they're sitting there laying with just their, the highest sensitivity to anything that's happening that could potentially take their sheep out. And then all of a sudden it's just like, boom. And you can just imagine just the awe that they're in the fear. Like, what the heck is going on? You know? And, um, and at that point you're, you're just like, oh my goodness. Um, and you know, when, when you are totally exposed by light, like, there's nowhere to hide. Like, when you're just totally surrounded, like, they were at a point where it's like, okay, so what is going on? Can you just imagine the fear of that moment? Um, so they had this, like, absolutely miraculous awakening. And they were totally fearful. Um, and, and it really makes me think that 
in light of um, being exposed like that, when you are exposed to the glory of God, it makes you feel like if you really understand the perfection, the glory. Hey, Tony. Uh, That's my mother-in-law. Um, but when you're really exposed to the glory of God, it's, it's like you don't even hold, like you can't even begin to, to fathom yourself next to him or, or you, you, how good that you think you are. I was in Jordan with Aubrey about um, eight or nine years ago, and we, were, we did this east-west uh, youth initiative where we took college kids from the States and met with college kids um, in Jordan and just kind of had a discussion based upon um, Islam and Christianity and kind of some of the common misconceptions and we were just trying to create, we were invited by Jordanian government to do this so we are just trying to create a, a conversation you know because there are so many misconceptions and it was really cool so we got to, to know some really cool students um, in particular I got to know this one Jordanian guy and after two or three days we just got to talking and, and he's like well um, yeah can I ask you a couple questions he's, and I was like sure sure man he's, he's like um, so tell me about, like, how do you get to heaven? And I was like, okay, well, cool, yeah. And I was like, why don't you share with me what you're thinking? And he's like, sure. So he, um, he's like, well, you know, depending on how good I've been, uh, when I go to heaven, I come before God. And he's like, hey, you've been good enough, so come on in. Or, hey, you've been bad enough. And he describes some sort of purgatory. I don't know if this is perfectly, like, um, like Islamic religion, but this is how he described it to me. And I was like, well so how do you know if, if, you're, if you're good enough? And he's like, well, I've been pretty good. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you seem like a really nice guy. I mean, I don't think that you're not a, a bad person by any means. And I kind of just blankly look at him, and he's like, um, what? What are you thinking? I was like, man, that's tough. And, and he looks at me, he's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, well, I don't know. I feel like you kind of have a low view of God and a high view of yourself. And he's like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, I mean, if you're really... So you're thinking you really could potentially merit to get into heaven based upon God and, and his perfection? Like, I don't know. I just know for myself that even when, you know, I, I help someone out, oftentimes I'm struggling with pride. I'm not saying that you can't do something perfectly with a pure heart, but oftentimes even my, my best intent and best actions are tainted with my, myself, my, my own self-interest. And he's like, huh, that's very interesting. Um, and we just kind of left the conversation like that. And, 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 well, and then it went, and he's like, well, what about you? And I was like, well, you know, that's exactly why I need a Savior. Um, because I, I, there's no way I would have any sort of hope in getting to heaven by myself. Um, the glory of God is too great, and I am too deprived. And so there would have to be something else happening, and that's why our whole Christianity Orthodox Christianity points towards the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and the death of Christ. And so after that, like, that's the only hope I have, man. That's the only thing that I can bank on. And uh, it was interesting. He, like, you know, I wasn't sitting there like, no, let's pray for a conversion or anything like that. But, like, it was something to think about, and it was pretty cool. Um, and so you can just imagine these shepherds that are totally shunned from society are exposed to the glory of God. And, and it's interesting to see what their reaction is. Um, so let's read on. Let, uh, let's go to verse... Um, let's go to verse 10. And the angel of the Lord said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, 
who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away for them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and to see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So I think it's really cool. So they had this awakening, obviously, this huge light. The glory of God was revealed to them. And then, you know, the angel said, fear not. Um, you know, he, he, Christ is here. He's being born. And so the, the next thing is, okay, so what was their reaction? How did they react to that? Um, so how do we react when we're exposed to the glory of God? Well, they're saying, let's go see. Let's go taste and see. And so what I think is really cool here is, like, if we're truly having a revelation, an experience of actually who God is, like we should want to have that kind of childlike faith to go taste and see, to, to open the word, to read more about it, to pray. Like it's, it's not something that you have to force yourself. If you get really excited about something, you want to know more about it, right? So they're like, shoot, let's go check this baby out that's in a manger. What? What's going on? Is this really the, the, the prophecy being fulfilled right now? So let's go taste and see. And um, so they do go taste and see. Uh, and it's pretty funny. Um, you can just kind of imagine Mary sitting there. She just had a, a baby, and the baby's sitting in the manger, and also these shepherds walk in, and she's like, dude, God, you're crazy. Like, why are, sh- why are- I mean, I know my baby's sitting in a trough right now, but, like, why are the most deplorable people are, are why are, you know, the people in society that are respected the least, why are they here, you know, worshiping? And you can just... But it's interesting what it says. It says, um, let's see. But, Mary, but, Ma- but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And I mean, you could just see Mary there saying, oh man, there must be, God is crazy. Like, what he's doing, I'm having a baby in a manger. It's, you know, I got pregnant, you know, like I hadn't had relations with a guy, you know, and he's supposed to be the savior of the world. Like, what is, and the shepherds are here. Holy cow, you know. And so she pondered those things in her heart. Um, but then, and then the third thing, so there was this awakening, there was this response by the shepherd, and the third thing is, and then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and, and it had been told them. And at the end of these eight days, when, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. So... There was the awakening. There was a response. Let's go taste and see. And then the final thing was, and then they rejoiced and returned back to being shepherds. And, and they worshiped. And so what I think is really cool here is to see that worship and truly being able to, to have gratitude, to truly be able to have joy is overflowing from understanding the glory of God by seeking him out by digging deeper and finding truth. And then joy and gratitude is coming from this deep, deep well at this point. It's, it's something that's so great, so much greater than circumstances. It's like when the slaves were in the fields and they were you know, picking cotton, there was a joy that was being sung out from the fields that was so much greater than their circumstances. And that's how they were able to survive. So talk about powerful. That's where that music from, in Muscle Shoals came from. It was something so much deeper and so much more powerful. And um, <clears throat> I want to leave you with this verse uh, that's really cool. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, 
And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Um, So we're called um, to become more Christ-like. And that is daunting, because Christ was perfect, right? But once we have a revelation, a true revelation, we come in contact with the glory of God. Um, It says, from one degree of glory to another. He's just calling and drawing us into his grace to have one degree of revelation at a time, just to understand a little bit more. One degree is not that much. If I were walking right now, I just would kind of go a little bit more. But over a long period of time, one, two, three degrees is huge. It's huge. It's miles and miles and miles. And so this morning, I guess my challenge to you would be, like, look. Like, I don't know if you've had a revelation of the glory of God. Um, but if you have, uh, you know, taste and see that he is good. Pray to him. Look into the word. Understand the story. There's so many great things in the depths of scriptures that can be revealed to you that are deep, deep well um, that can speak into your life. And so I just want to challenge you this morning. Um, and when we worship, like worship, true worship is an outpouring of that joy that comes from here. It's not like, hey, it's Sunday morning, we walk in, let's sing a couple songs, whatever. You know, it's something so much deeper when, when you play music. Like, I've, you know, I've had the opportunity to play around a little bit with music, but there's something special that when, when we play music here that's just so much deeper. Like when we sing those old hymns that have survived for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, there's something powerful. There's a different energy about them. And it's because it, was, it came from the depths, you know? And um, I don't know, I just think some of the greatest things, including the birth of our Savior, have been created through something that's so much deeper than ourselves, our individual interest. And I guess in this holiday season, like, true joy, true sustainable joy can only come from that. It can't be circumstantial. Um, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just, uh, God, I just thank you for the opportunity to just get up and talk about something that matters this morning. Um, Father, there's something that's so much bigger than ourselves. Father, as as we go through this holiday season, as we experience um, relationships, relationships, as we confront things that we don't have to confront the whole year in this season. Um, Lord, let us be sustained, uh, not by the gifts that we give, not our get, um, but Lord, by, by who you are and why you died on the cross for us. And let us draw from that deep, deep cistern, Father God, that can sustain us. Um, Father, I'm so gracious. I, I'm, I'm so thankful, Father God, for for who you are. I'm thankful for this community. I'm thankful for the family that we have here. And um, Lord, I just, I just pray for something real to go on in our hearts that, that cause us to think a little bit more deeply and not to just deal and not to cope. There's a deeper hope out there that you've, that you've um, brought to us, Father God. And in your precious name I pray. Amen. <coughs>